we're idiots. We're sitting here <laughs> chit-chatting thinking our personalities are going to pull it off. No, no, it, really, that was a mistake on about five different <laughs> levels. It's just like, I've learned that from dating, trying to make friends, yeah. running businesses, being a writer. It's never my personality. <laughs> Hey, Rich. Paul, have you ever seen the play Mamma Mia? I haven't, you know, surprisingly. Have you ever been to a nightclub establishment on the west side of New York City called Vixens? Thank God I haven't <laughs> been to that one because I try to okay. be honest on this show. Now, I've never been to Vixens. Have you ever heard of a company called Percolate? Yes. Okay. Do you know what those three things have in common? They all appear on the side of cabs. Or on the tops of cabs. Yeah. So yes. if you're not from New York City, there's a, there's a space on the top of a cab where you can put a big ad. And it'll be yes. like literally strippers frozen on Broadway. And for like a period of three years, percolate. Every once in a while, SAP gets into the mix. Yeah, yeah, there's a few, but it, but percolate. And so as we would see these, we were starting post-light, and I would come in, and I would say, Rich, I saw percolate on the side of a cab. And you would say, I don't know what they do. And I would say, I think it's a marketing CMS of record. And you would say, that's a bunch of nonsense. So to resolve this issue, we brought in one of the co-founders of Percolate, who also happens to be a world-class expert in enterprise software, something we talk about a lot. Boy, do we. Here's someone who knows it ground up. Noah Breyer, welcome to Track Changes. Welcome, Noah. Thank you. What is Percolate? Percolate is a content marketing platform. So it's a really, it's a little like Jira for content. So large marketing organizations use it to manage all their content manage the workflows, manage it globally, figure out who's got to do what, push it through the process, figure out what's on tap, what's not. It's kind of like doing product development in Jira, but having a system to manage all the content and campaigns that you're pushing through your global organization. Oh, so, so it's workflow for big content things. Yeah, I mean, content obviously means a lot of different things to different people. When you say content, what do you mean in this context? Marketing campaign, so of any sort, right? So you start with a big campaign, you figure out when it's going to be, okay. you figure out where it's going to go, what you're going to make. You're going to make billboards, you're going to make taxi top ads, you're going to make some blog posts, you're going to put some new stuff on your okay. website, and you manage that whole process through, and then eventually it gets approved and pushed out. Oh, so you have a, your marketing team, your agencies, all sorts of people are working on this stuff at once. Yeah. It's more focused on the B2B side now. Mm -hmm. So less agencies, more internal marketing teams, all these different people inside the system pushing all this marketing through, trying to figure out where it's going to go, when it's going to go, what's on time, what's late. Right. So if I need to write, I'm writing some article for the corporate blog called like the top 10 reasons you need our product. I would want to be doing that and organizing it in Percolate along with the 30,000 other things that are like that, that I'm doing this year. Yep. When did that start? We started in, in 2011. 2011. Okay. Wow. If you told me in 2011 what you were doing, I would have said, that's not how the web works. It turns out that's how the web works. What gave you the psychic vision so that you could see that we were headed towards an all-marketing, all-the-time, <laughs> SEO-driven, maybe hellscape, right. maybe progressive, exciting, interactive experience? But where were you I mean, when you... by the way, this podcast is an exception to that trend. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> but, we're, we're very authentic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So for me, there were two big things. I, I spent most of my career in, in marketing. So I actually started out as a journalist for, for about six months and then the magazine got sold. And it was exactly the right amount of time. <laughs> I'll just tell you. <laughs> we all lost our jobs. Good and it was job. like, let me go, let me go find a different line of work. So I ended up in the marketing <laughs> world. I was a creative director, a copywriter, a strategist. So you're a copywriter and then you end up starting your own business with a co-founder. Yes. How, how does that happen? So somewhere in there, I got tired of asking people to make things for me on the internet. So I cobbled together some PHP knowledge and I built a thing called brand tags, which was just a funny experiment that I literally was a 2 a.m. idea. Woke up in the middle of the night. I was like, well, what would happen if you asked a bunch of people what they thought about brands? And then they typed in the first thing that popped in their head and you made a tag cloud out of the results. It'll give you this pretty interesting snapshot of like brand perception, which companies pay lots and lots of money for. So I made it, I, I got up at two, it was done by four or five, you know, it was pretty terrible. It broke in a lot of ways, but you know, you learn a lot of code when you things break and you need to learn it immediately or it's not going to work. We collected, ended up collecting like 10 million tags on that site and it kind of went wild. People Whoa. in the marketing world loved it. Agencies particularly loved it because every time they go to pitch clients, they need to tell them that their baby's ugly. Mm -hmm. And they're really afraid of telling it themselves. So they'd be like, well, look, this is what all these people say. It's we not did, us. We did this third-party analysis. Yeah. yeah. That's the two things agencies love is taking no responsibility and pretending to be research-driven organizations. Yeah. <laughs> so. so wait, are you still work? Did you still have a day job while this is going on? So I, I built that thing and I had a day job and it was just like, it was you a built fun, it on the side. I just built it. I mean, I literally built it at two o'clock at night. I mean, that was, yeah. that was the only time that I've ever had the sort of 2 a.m. light bulb idea, but it was a lot of fun. I built it. It sort of took off, you know, in internet way. It wasn't a real business. I wasn't making any money off it. And then I ended up selling it like a year and a half later and, you know, not for a lot of money, but it was still cool and it was still an amazing experience. And it, one, gave me a taste of what it's like to build and launch products. And then, you know, it gave me a tiny bit of money to not have a full-time job for a short period of time. So you quit. So I quit. Wow. Right. Okay. So that's the big leap. You yeah. Know. But that's the key, man. You get that little, that entrepreneurial itch gets scratched and somebody's like, Hey, let me give you some money. You got for a little that. taste of it. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. going yeah. you know to want to have a go at this. You're, yeah. you're on the younger side when this is happening. You're going to want to go back for more of that. Yeah. That's good. No kids yeah. yet. No, yeah. uh, it's, a, yeah. it's a much more simple life. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple other things. So I, I was working a big digital agency called the Barbarian Group. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were working with all these really big clients. And they were all trying to figure out how to do content on the internet. This was 2009, 2010. And basically they were coming to us and we were making all this stuff for them. And eventually I realized that we had this problem, which was they kept wanting more, but they didn't want to spend proportionally more. Right. right. So they wanted three times more content for 1.4 times more money. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that's a, that's a tough equation to deal with. And, and, I looked around and uh, I saw that in a lot of places and a friend of mine who I had known at the time was also working with a lot of big brands and we got to talking about how we might be able to solve this by building tools to help manage the front end of the marketing process that if you look around, you see all this stuff, it's, you know, CMSs and ad tech and all this stuff for distributing marketing. But if you talk to marketers about where their big challenges are, it's not like, how do I put all this amazing content I have into the world? It's like, how am I going to actually make anything this is a real thing, right? We've had clients where they'll go, okay, we're publishing 10 pieces a week. And the client will go, we want to publish a thousand pieces of content a week. And they go, okay. And they go, we're not going to give you any more team. 
Right. So how can you actually do that? Well, I mean, you can take every image and start syndicating it to social and you can take paragraphs and turn them into pull quotes and put them on Twitter and get new Twitter accounts. Like there are ways to start amplifying even without creating something like truly new. You can you can start to create derivative works. And so like for people who are listening, that request to go from, you know, from this to that isn't actually that wacky. It's just nobody knew how to do it. So you built the tool to make that sort of stuff easier. So yeah, my co-founder and I, his name is James Gross. He was at a place called Federated Media and we were both working on the same kinds of things. So James and I were talking about it and I had been building the initial pieces of this weird tool that surfaced interesting internet content for me based on what I was interested in. And we thought maybe we could turn that into something that we could sell to brands. And so we decided to quit our jobs. And actually the funniest thing I always think back to is there's this weird like game theory moment where, you know, you're working with somebody and you both decide you're going to quit on the same day, but it's really scary to think, what if they get a counter offer? Right, (laughs) right, right, right. Okay. So percolate ends up on the side. Just tell us how it ends up on the side of cabs. This is what I've I've always wondered. So when you're an enterprise software company, right, we were always selling to big companies. One of the biggest challenges you have is, how do you get people to take you seriously? You know, you can tell them lots of things and you can be really smart and you can have really cool software, but at the end of the day, they need to think that you're sort of bigger than you are. And there's this funny trick, especially for marketers, where seeing things that are traditional Mm -hmm. advertising, Mm -hmm. they think can only come from big companies. And Mm. so... You run these billboards, totally little TV ads. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It seems like it's big. And so you run these taxi top ads and they're relatively cheap. And the other real amazing trick about taxi top ads, and this is true of all outdoor, is that outdoor never gets replaced until they have something to replace it with. Mm -hmm. So nobody pulls down a billboard because you only bought for the month. They pull down the billboard because there's another billboard that's ready to go up. It's like the posters and subway platforms way after the movie came out. Totally. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And so we had taxi top ads running for two years after we stopped paying for them. Oh, we got to do this. That's insane. I want to look into that. Well, because I think we should. I'm I'm not even joking. No, me neither. First off, we're quintessential New York based shop. But here's here's the thing I'm noticing from our marketing, right? And it's you you built a platform that made this happen. But nobody comes in because of an ad or a pitch. They come in because they've seen you enough. And then one day you hit them and they go, okay. And so it just, it takes a while. And if somebody seep into your brain and and the rule of thumb is like seven times or five to seven times, right? So if there's a lot of cabs in New York City. Yep. Yep. If they see us three times in a cab, then I only have to hit them four more times. Right. So I want to get into enterprise. You decided to build enterprise software versus, and I always put consumer software or the, you know, the proverbial app on the other side of that. Tell us about that experience and and where it took you. Well, I have to admit that at the very beginning, we thought maybe we could do both. And so we did have this funny consumer app at the very beginning where people could use a kind of version of what we had. But about nine months in, we were looking at like 10,000 users versus five Fortune 50 customers paying sure. us a bunch of money. I was like, mm, mm-hmm. yeah. we're going to go with the, the Fortune 50s. It's hard to convince thousands of people to yes. be excited. You can give them something for free. They don't even care. So lessons learned from the Percolate experience in enterprise software is kind of taking you to where you are today, which is... A new company called Variance. Variance. Now, this is another piece of enterprise software? It is. So eight years after we started Percolate, my 
co-founder and I decided to start a new company. We hired a CEO at Percolate about a year ago. So we've both been sort of exiting our way out. And uh, Variance is brand new. So we're still in the, the initial stages of building. But essentially, the sort of core idea is that what we saw over eight years of building Percolate was all of these companies, especially within marketing organizations, buying tons of software and struggling to figure out how to get value out of all of it. Boy, is that true. Okay. By tons, run down the list. Give me some of the, the things you kept seeing again and again. You can start with the big guys, right? You've got lots of Adobe in there. And, you know, it starts with Adobe Experience Manager, their CMS. And then when they sell you Experience Manager, they try to sell you every other little bit and piece. So you've got Adobe Campaign. You've got the Test and Target. You know, now they have a CDP customer data platform. Adobe you ever loves see, their product. They you, love chopping one damn product into 28 products. You know how in a movie, like there's a shipwreck and somebody comes onto the shore and they're just barely alive? Yeah. That's what it's like when someone's using Adobe Enterprise Manager and they come to us. They're just like, ah, oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. There's the jab. Oh, post like No, they're just like, do you have anything that can make this stop? Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I'm sure there are happy users. We don't hear from them. Right. Yeah, I mean, they, I will say, over the time at Percolate, as, you know, especially as we got closer to closer to now, I hardly walked into a company that wasn't running Adobe for their content management system. I think they locked in, like, the big branding efforts, right? They're just like, hey, you already know us from our Photoshop and every other thing yeah, you use. We're in the we're in the house. We yeah. manage your images and your metadata. And, by the way, we'll manage all of your content as well. Yeah, they've just done an unbelievable job. So they have an analytics product, and then they just bought Marketo for however many billions of dollars, which was the leading B2B marketing automation system. So, you know, you've got all of those pieces yep. in there, right? And then there's a whole Salesforce stack, right? So sure. outside the core Salesforce CRM offering, you get into ExactTarget and Pardot and all of those different bits and pieces. And it's roughly a sort of competitive offering with Adobe yep. minus the CMS. And then, you know, Oracle's got bits and pieces too. Then after that, there's just sort of a million different players. So, you know, you guys talked about the the LumaScape or the, you know, the, mm -hmm. the marketing technology landscape. It's got like 1,600 different tools on it, it now something. or something like it's that. It's really yeah. something else, yeah. Uh, and, you know, so there, it, it's cut into lots of bits and pieces. I don't know anything about the ad tech side of it. So, you know, I'm much more focused on the part where you're not passing revenue through. It's just core workflow tools. And then you've got tons of, you know, regular enterprise software, stuff like Jira or Asana, where, you know, those yep. guys are moving in and touching marketing as well. So the stat I've heard and uh, is that marketing organizations have 90 SaaS apps on average. Look, that doesn't shock me at all. We, we're probably using 30 or 40 apps to run the company. None of them yeah. talk to each other. And There's probably one app per person. When you, when you factor it all in. Like, I'm thinking like... Hopefully that doesn't scale that way. No, but I, yeah. think, I think it's real. Yeah, once we're 500, we've got 500 licenses. Well, then if you yeah. start to unlock all the little apps in our HR and benefits management that they've bought... Oh, yeah. And yeah, never yeah. bothered to integrate. No, yeah. I yeah. mean, we do this exercise actually every few months where we're like, okay, let's do a deep dive into the recurring yeah. costs. Because there's stuff buried in there that maybe we haven't touched in nine months, the but it's just sitting there hitting us every month. Vacation or every quarter management, or whatever. 360 degree review tool. <laughs> uh, there's a lot. Yeah. So this is your opportunity. You're seeing this mountain of licensing that's sitting in front of marketing groups that they just accept as reality today. Oh, there's no lock-in like enterprise lock-in, right? Yeah, yeah. Not only do they accept it as reality, they think they're going to have more of it and they are. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. like, because the reality is 
even if you have low usage on a lot of these things, if you get a bit and piece of value, it can easily pay out against its cost. And sure. so you end up with this sort of like massive, massive stack of systems where, yep. you know, there's one person who knows what's actually in there and, and you know. The I feel that you can justify every, every individual piece's cost and then it can add up to far more than your revenue. <laughs> like it's just like, well, I got to have that. Yeah, you just, do want to be, you know, as the executive, you want to be the person who's like, do we really need that? And then yeah. everybody looks at you like you told them their baby was ugly. Yeah. It's, why would you ruin our day to day? We're trying to get things done. You just show up and you're complaining about 80 bucks a month. And it's never about the 80 bucks no, a month. No, I know. It's but like, then it's we, like everyone's like getting, I mean, look at all the money it saves. But then there's one immediately to the left that's like $800 a month. And they're like, no, you can't take that away. And yeah. eventually. <laughs> You've lost all benefit. You might as well just have people with index cards running around. <laughs> well, I've been I've been deep in in research for the new company and talking to a lot of folks, and certainly inside really large organizations, that particular thing you just described is is super magnified, right? Where you know Salesforce and Adobe, they're paying those guys eighty percent of their total SaaS costs are wrapped up in those too. So anything after that, you're like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it just doesn't a really matter, thing, right? Yeah. So, you know, exactly. We've got these big costs at the center. Yeah. Well, how long has Variance been around? A month. Oh, okay. Brand new. So yeah. you're, you're figuring it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, okay. Yeah. We're, okay. we're yeah. figuring it out. I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing well, lots of marketing ops people and marketing technology people. I spent okay. the last month basically talking to 60 different marketing technology people about what they're trying to do, what their stack looks like. So we're just, I'm, I'm in the middle of it. What are they like as humans? They're very nice people. <laughs> Um, they are a strange uh, question. There, there's so uh, <laughs> marketing operations is this new role, which maybe you've sort of run into a little bit. Maybe you haven't. I really only started to see it sort of come into any seriousness over the last three or four years at Percolate. And it seems to be a set of, of kind of three different types of people. You've got analytics folks who mm -hmm. got moved into this marketing ops and technology role because basically they owned the most tech inside the marketing organization. And so at some point, somebody was like, hey, instead of just owning the analytics tech, why don't you own all the tech and make sure that we can sort of use it all together, right? So you've got that profile. And then you've got a set of folks from IT, basically, who got moved into marketing and were like, hey, marketing keeps buying all this stuff. Can you help them figure out how to use it all? And then you've got the demand gen people which is a very similar profile to the analytics folks where they were doing demand generation. Therefore, they owned a lot of tech in marketing. And so now they're sort of like overseeing the whole stack. And for those people, yeah, they're super cool. They just want to figure out how company, how their company can use technology in a, a better way. 33% of our listeners are, are standing up from their desk where they are an adjunct professor and going, you've ruined the web. What have you done? I'm just warning you, just in case you get that email, because we're going to get it. Hey, Rich. Yes, Paul. Let's interrupt this podcast about enterprise software to let people know that they can get in touch with Postlight to build on top of enterprise software. Or build enterprise software. That is or build true. consumer software. We are a platform and product studio, 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. We build websites, apps, mobile everything, React Native, React, WebAssembly. We design, design too. We have a lot of great designers. It's a wonderful place. Come talk to us. It really is good. Hello oh. at postlight.com. That's the email address you need to send. I still love that you give the address out as if we're a coffee shop. I'm very proud of it. You are very proud of it. So uh, without giving away the secret sauce, what, what are you envisioning? 
for variants. We're still right in the middle of it. So uh, I don't know that there is any secret sauce yet. But, you know, I think that coming out of these conversations with all these folks over the last couple of months, I've heard kind of three big themes, one of which I know will have nothing to do with, which is that all of these folks are trying to figure out how they're going to connect their marketing data and their customer data together better. So they're all in the middle of this CDP project and none of them really... CDP. CDP, Customer Data Platform. Um, oh, hold on, hold on. Enterprise. No, this is a billion dollars right here. He just spit it out. This CDP. is going to be the next five years of conferences. Not the marijuana replacement as well. <laughs> this, this is your, my CRM is a CMS. They're holding hands and um, loving each other. Customer data platform. What's, what kind of data goes in CDP. The so customer data. And then it, like my name and the fact uh, that yeah. I, I like sneakers. So Salesforce just announced this last week. They announced their entrant to the market. They're late to the market. Adobe announced it about six months ago. It's a little hard to tell from the outside exactly what they are. It seems like a souped up database only CRM system, right? So the what would it look like if you built a CRM with the idea that it was fundamentally the database and you were going to enrich that data from a whole bunch of different places rather than thinking about it as being a place where you're actually going to be sort of inputting records. So it's very API first. Right. So like Salesforce knows everybody's name. And now with this, they can tell you everybody's shoe size. Right. Okay. That makes sense to me. We need to, we need to just give people like a, a tiny one-on-one here, right? Like how the hell do you even begin to learn and understand these platforms? Because they're opaque, they're huge, and there's a million of them. I don't know that I know the answer to that question. I have learned about them by, you know, having thousands of conversations with people at big companies and sometimes getting to see them. But there's still a lot that I've spent very little to no time in, right? Because there's no demo where for Adobe Experience Manager, right? No, you can't download that and play uh, yeah, with it. No. That's right. And so it is very opaque. It's a super opaque market. You know, it's starting to change, right? You see the Slack and Zooms of the world have a lot of people believe started a revolution in enterprise software where we're going to see more and more move from the bottom up. But there's certain kinds of systems where, you know, nobody's doing a CMS build from the bottom up, uh, hopefully. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's how you run into a lot of trouble. That's how right. you get 70 markets with 70 different content management systems that have no idea that they exist and people making all sorts of random things. So there's a certain amount of stuff that's always going to have to come from the top down. But yeah, you just you just try to piece it together. You talk to a lot of people. You know, I mean, the biggest sources of information are still the big analysts, right? So the foresters and Gardner. gardeners of the world. People pay them a lot of money. The companies pay them a lot of money. And then the vendors pay them a lot of money to tell them about what the companies want. And there's a whole thing there. There's a, just, it's so rife for corruption. I just can never well, get my no, head it's, around it's it. It's better than that. It's, it's, it's the forester and the gardeners of the world. I feel like the vendors are waiting to hear from them about what the companies want. The companies want to hear from them about what they should want. And so they're in this wonderful place where they're actually spinning up market need. It's almost like codifying paranoia in a weird way. It's like, wait, I, you know, what, what is that tool that everybody else is going to have on, on the block and I'm not going to have in three years? Tell me what it is and, I, and I'll need to buy it. What are my competitors using? What, are, what, are my, yeah. what will my competitors That's be right. using That's in right. the three-year, five-year chart, right? And then you go back out to the vendors and like, hey, guess what, guys? I've got them frothing at the mouth here. I just, I just laid it all out. It's CDP. And, you know, once, yeah. once you earn acronym data status. Li data leaks, too. Data lakes. Yeah. I love a good data lake. We, well, they do the acronyms. That's their, you know, that's a big part of their business is, is they decree you. The other big piece in this whole world, if we're talking about enterprise software, 
is, you know, the Accentures and the Deloitte's of the world, right? So they're a huge piece of the puzzle. So, you know, whether it's your your CRM implementation or your Adobe implementation, you know, it's being run by Accenture. They're managing the whole thing. They're doing the, the implementation. They're getting paid an insane amount of money to yep. do it, you know, because it's a gigantic two-year project. This is very real for us, right? Is we're, we're more and more going into rooms where people go, how do you do a Salesforce implementation? How do you do this and that? Sure. And we're very custom and we're, you know, we're, we're not Accenture. And so it's a, it's a strange conversation. It's one we can have increasingly because we've accepted Salesforce into our hearts. <laughs> I want to close with a question, Paul. Are You've you? talked to a lot of people. You're hearing a lot of different perspectives, a lot of people. What's the like, number one piece of advice or slash warning you would give to people who are decision makers around this stuff? Technology is not a panacea. I think that a lot of people buy this stuff with the hope that it's going to solve these deep-seated organizational problems that they have magically. And then they get it in the door and they realize that actually, like, if you don't pair that with a whole bunch of thinking about how you're going to get an organization to change and use that thing, it's never going to work. You can spend two years doing the biggest waterfall implementation of whatever. And if you don't spend that time figuring out how you're going to get people to use that new thing instead of the way they used to do it in Excel, then none of it's going to matter. I think that's the, that's the big piece that I've seen over and over again. Noah just pissed off a lot of salespeople. Good. <laughs> who have that exact oh, yeah, no, like, I've got the panacea. De- Deloitte just started to <laughs> caught fire. <laughs> Accenture is like sending a missile to the podcast yeah. studio right now. Well, this, this has been... Illuminating. An- it's another step in our journey to truly understanding enterprise software. We, yeah. And, You're going to have to distribute this with an acronym chart. That's right. <laughs> CDP is CDP. my big takeaway. That's right. Cool. It's, it's what I use to relax in the evenings. <laughs> All right. Well, Noah, thank you very much for thank coming. Thank you, Noah. This is yeah, great. All right. Well, you know my secret trick for understanding this world? CYA. <laughs> that is actually, that's good. <laughs> that is real. And people can look up that initialism on their own. Yes. The, uh, what is your trick? YouTube. YouTube is great. If you go on YouTube and you search for these various enterprise products, yep. you can see demos of them and people with accents from all around the world will, will show explain you to you how they work. Because, you know, it's just a funny little thing, dude. You visit the SAP website and it's vast. They won't tell you a damn thing There's about it. There's not a screenshot. You don't know what SAP You'll never know what SAP is. No, it's amazing. And it's even amazing. when something has a name, it's not a name like you understand. It's like SAP Enterprise Adapter, which could be just a website. Yeah. <laughs> it could be like a, YouTube is fascinating to go yeah. in and actually see the stuff get used. Yeah. It's actually a good suggestion. So that's, you can see, because people are using YouTube to market their ability to train you on these products. Mm-hmm. So you can get in there and actually understand what the hell is going on. The reality, and this is a truism that has guided me pretty well my whole career, no matter how confusing and vague it is and no matter how little you can understand, I swear to God, it's still just software. Like you can. It is. It's like got like a database and it makes websites and you click buttons and things happen. And (laughs) SAP will never tell you that. No, but but it's just software. You can go see it on YouTube. Anyway, if you want to see some software that you've never seen before, get in touch with Postlight. We'll make you some. Hello at postlight.com. All right, let's get back to work. Hey, 